Good evening, it is 5 p.m. and you're listening to Today in YGK on CFRC 11.9 FM. Broadcasting from Lower Carruthers Hall on Queen's campus in Kingston, Ontario. Today in YGK is brought to you by CFRC's News Collective. CFRC's news programming is made possible by the generous support of the Community Radio Fund of Canada under the Local Journalism Initiative, Queen's University Career Services, What'll I Wear at 732 Princess Street, and The Screening Room at ScreeningRoomKingston.com. Before we get into our sports desk and campus corner for this week, I will be throwing it to Dinah Jansen with an update from last night's AMS assembly, where it was decided that the process of AMS executive position appointments has not come to an end just yet. Thank you so much. In this Campus Corner segment of Today in YGK, we cover the February 13th AMS Special Assembly to appoint the next AMS executive. Following the disqualification of Team JNN ahead of AMS elections on February 6th and 7th, a special assembly was called to appoint a new executive of qualified slates on February 13th. Two teams qualified, but one slate. Team JDT, consisting of Jason Kim, Trifina F. Barokai, and Drayden George, withdrew from candidacy as of 3 p.m. on Assembly Day, leaving only Team LOT consisting of Owen Roki, recent rector candidate Leo Young, and Tyler Tam Tran to stand for a confidence vote at AMS Special Assembly in Grant Hall. Following nearly four hours of statements and replies to questions from attendees, Team LOT did not succeed and lost the confidence vote as announced by AMS Secretariat Alicia Ahmed at 9.45 p.m. on February 13th. Of the AMS Assembly members present, 21 voted against Team LOT, 4 abstained and 2 voted yes. All three members of the current AMS executive voted against Team LOT. Coming up, we have footage from the February 13th proceedings in Grant Hall. For the full recording, you can visit the AMS YouTube page or the Campus Beat podcast on Spotify and Apple Music. Stay tuned for an upcoming interview next week with the AMS elections team about next steps to select the next AMS student government executive. Our platform is based on the three pillars of education, transparency, and engagement. The first change we make to promote education is repurpose the marketing and communications office to educate students on how Queens and AMS works as a whole. Students can't speak their voices on issues they don't understand, so it's important that everybody knows how these things work. I know how hard it is to learn as students, as well as with an already busy schedule. We must reduce the barriers that can be involved as to make it possible for as many people to get involved as we can in order to make as much positive change. Yeah, so AMS have many student committee that people are not really aware of. So we will raise awareness of those student committee, committee and then bring more students' voice into the decision-making process. And then besides, we will also try to educate students more on the government affairs. By that way, it means more toward how the AMS interacts with municipal, provincial, and federal government. And then besides from that, also, we will target bringing more first year to engage and helping them for transition during the summer and during the orientation first years. On the operation side, we wish to embody education. That's why we are going to go beyond financial and operational transparency and focus on ease of understanding. Even me, with someone with an accounting background, took hours to go through and ruffle through five years of AMS accounting, financial, and operational statements. It is unreasonable to expect the average student to do so without this type of background. That is why it is important that we make all financial statements easily digestible in shortened forms so that students can understand the financial and operational state of the AMS. It is unreasonable to expect students to engage with an organization in which they do not understand the soundness of. As for transparency, one of the ways I really want to focus on promoting awareness and transparency of how things are working inside is building a more informal and 
stronger connections with faculty society leaders. Uh, I know they're all experts in their field, but for respective faculties, and I really know that from my experience as a student leader, uh, more informal settings were the easiest to talk about big problems without the added pressure. This would, I think this would make a lot easier for, for, for faculty society leaders to also speak through issues that they're facing and make it easier for us to step in and help them out. So for VPUA, uh, advocacy would be the key. And then for my portfolio next year, I will showcase more on like what has been done inside the commissions. And then also getting more students to involve in this decision-making process, making sure it's more transparent. And then we will also work closely with other, for example, marketing communication office to showcase the different opportunities that we have. On the operations side, transparency starts within the organization, and it's a two-way street. That's why it's important to foster a culture and community within the AMS that is open to real conversations with the head managers as well as staff. I embody the idea that you should be present on the ground with your staff so that they know that you're available to talk. I'm going to create that uh, culture of informal touch points that go beyond just the weekly and bi-weekly meetings. I want to be there for my staff and I want them to be able to succeed in their goals. Lastly on engagement, I want to harbor as much feedback from different sources that we can to understand the problem from a student's perspective. It's easy to sit in this room and make decisions ourselves, but it's extremely important to me that we're making decisions based on what students are telling us. But additionally, to get more feedback on this, I'll be speaking to faculty society leaders, as there's no one size, one shoe fits all for the engagement issue. We'll need to find different solutions that are tailored to different groups of individuals. As I have many background in different student community, so we will focus on more getting more students involved in clubs, AMS event, and decision-making process. So we're building more collaboration across the university, faculty society, and student groups. And then, besides from that, we will also foster more conversation on current issues of having different working group and a different committee to work on to solve work on solution. Throughout my consultations with head managers, there was a common theme that came true that we have lost a lot of the brand identity that the AMS's 11 services had prior to COVID. This is an issue because students cannot feel supported if they do not know that these services are there for them to access and there to support them. That's why I'm going to focus on brand recognition as well as user acquisition. Every student should try each service at least once and know it's there for them. Thank you very much for listening to our platform and for being with us today. Following approximately three hours of fielding questions from AMS Assembly members present related to tangible actions to explain the team's platform pillars, how to improve Queen's University student culture, and the team's plans for combating discrimination and promoting inclusivity on campus, especially in areas related to Islamophobia, anti-Semitism, sexual violence, promoting women in leadership, and supporting queer, black, and indigenous students, Team LOT made its final remarks. I would just like to thank everyone for their time. This has meant a lot to me, honestly. Just being able to be up here in front of you all, it's, I, I, I still can't believe it, honestly, but uh, I, I it, it really, I cannot tell you how much it means to me to be here among you guys as peers. I think Queens has something just so special about it. Um, nothing, something that not, no other university that I've ever heard of, ever visited, has. It's something about the community, something about the, the social aspect, and something about how we all can come together to create something so big and so amazing. I, throughout the last few weeks, I've learned so much about the AMS and how much this organization has accomplished. And it, it's really just mind-blowing, it's really just awe-inspiring. 
So as much as I would love and as much as I really, really do hope that I can be part of something bigger such as this, no matter what the result is tonight, no matter what choice is made, I remain committed to the Queen's community, even if it's not in the AM, with the AMS, even if it's with some other organization. I want you all to know that none of the promises, none of the things that I stood for here today will stop being pursued. While it will be pursued in a different manner because of the different responsibilities, the different duties, the different powers I might have in my other roles, I will promise you all that these uh, values, these attributes that we all share in common will be pursued regardless of what happens here tonight. I want to thank you all for your time once again and I'll let the yeah, so Queen's University is not just a campus, it's a community. And that community in the sense like, for the recent years, due to COVID, with different incidents, we have kind of lost this kind of sense of community, where like collaboration sense. So what we're gonna really try to focus on to bring that kind of sense of community back. Not just through, you know, helping one another per se, but even to having more collaboration between different faculty society, or even having EMS, mission to work more closely with different faculty society and then with your own departments. That's something we need to really uh, strive and foster. And then Queens is also as again using quote the, the same one former uh, director from Bishop side. Things have changed. There's so many things that have been lost for doing this not just like I said like four or five years. We only have been all of us have been here maybe four or five years or seven years max. But like, there's so many things that has changed, and we need to have a time, especially next year with JDOC, we need to have a, a strong leadership to bring changes. The changes, not just like, I don't know, even for my former campaign, I, I said some radical changes, but like, not, that's not what I want. What I want is more moderate changes. The changes that will, the student leader are actually going to speak for the students. At the Senate, at the Board of Trustees, even in AMS Assembly, we should be more active, not just, you know, in some way, in our own bubbles, in the way we need to have more uh, active conversation. Yeah, we represent our own student community, not just, you know, one position per se. And then, because there's only certain stuff AMS can reach, there's certain students AMS can reach out to, and then it also depends on every single faculty society to have more communication with their own perspective groups. And then, yeah. I think in summary, Queens is a place which has a long-standing culture. I think it's, uh, I think it's important to not ignore the issues that this culture has, and I really do think that we can address them. But I think it's important to move forward to understand where we excel as a community, where we have room for improvement as a community, and to celebrate our differences while making sure it's still a very safe place for everybody on campus. Yeah, so I don't really want to say this, but I think for the benefit of AMS, I think we should break this slate. And then this is, will give more students opportunity on getting involved, not just the students in, with like, like male candidates, there should be more female candidates to get involved in this election. That's all I want to say. Finally, at 9.45, AMS Secretariat Alicia Ahmed announced that Team LOT failed to receive a confidence vote from the AMS Assembly with 21 members voting against two, four, and four abstentions, including three no votes from AMS executive members. Unfortunately, Team LOT, there were more no votes than there were yes votes. So this means that you will not be the AMS executive or the 24th and 25th. 
Listeners can access all AMS Special Assembly proceedings on the AMS YouTube page that holds footage from the February 13th live stream from Grant Hall. You can also listen to footage on the Campus Beat podcast on Spotify and Apple Music. Stay tuned next week for an interview with the AMS elections team about next steps to appoint the 2024-25 AMS executive. Good evening, everyone. My name is Zayden Vergara, and it's time for your CFRC Sports Roundup. Your Queen's Golden Gales basketball teams are rapidly approaching their final week of the regular season. Both the men's and women's team will be hosting the Ottawa GGs on Friday, followed by the Carlton Ravens on Saturday. These Ottawa powerhouses are an absolute force to be reckoned with and can shake up the entire standings going to playoff, making a difference between playing a game at home versus away. For the men's team, in their game against the Ottawa GGs, the last time that these two teams played, the Gales delivered the GGs their first loss of the season as they managed to win in Ottawa 96-95. Currently atop the OUA East standings is the Ottawa GGs with a record of 18-2 with their most recent loss coming last week to the UFT Varsity Blues 76-70. Right behind them is Queens, who has a record of 17-3, meaning that these two teams facing off in this final week before playoffs could have huge implications for who hosts. It's a very similar storyline for the OUA East Division in the Women's Basketball Championship, as Carlton in this scenario is 19-1. Right behind them is Queens, who are 18-2, but don't count out the Ottawa GGs in this situation, as they're in third place with 16-4, clawing trying to catch up both the Gales and the Ravens. If you're looking for playoff action, you don't need to look far as your Queens men's hockey team is hosting the Concordia Singers tonight for the first round of playoffs. The way that OUA men's hockey works is that it's a best of three in each round. The previous times that the Gales faced off against the Concordia Stingers, January 20th and January 26th as they played back-to-back weeks. In the first of those engagements, Queens was able to win 3-1. Following that, they were able to shut down the Stingers 3-0. You can tune in live to CFRC or CFRC.ca at 7.20 for a pre-game show as I will be joined by the one and only Lauren Peary and will be providing live commentary and play-by-play for this entire matchup. But on that note, that's all for your CFRC Sports Roundup. Over to Erica Singh with your Campus News Update. Thank you so much. Last week, as Queen students took the referendum, all student fees were approved except one, with 59% of voters voting against the increasing Student Life Center or SLC fee. The referendum sought to raise the mandatory SLC fee by $5.96 from $38.57 to $44.53 to support the operations of the AMS in the newly renovated John Deutsch University Center. The failed referendum is expected to impact the funding for AMS-run spaces, as student groups including the AMS are required to pay rent despite $62 million of the project being funded by undergraduate student fees. 
AMS Communications Director Michaela Crawford stated that increasing the SLC fee was deemed necessary to sustain AMS-operated spaces within the new revitalized JDOC. The future implications of the fee's failure remain unclear as of right now. In contrast, students approved the creation of four new optional student fees in the referendum. This includes a 50 cent fee for the Queen's Black Academic Society, a $1.10 fee for the Social Issues Commission's Menstrual Equity Project, a 20 cent fee for Proactive Minds, and a 75 cent opt-out fee for the Queen's Dental Aid Network, a club supporting dental hygiene among Kingston's unhoused population. Additionally, over 80% of voters supported continuing the mandatory $1 fees for the Sexual Health Resource Center and the Sexual Assault Center Kingston. Students elected to maintain a 50 cent accessibility Queen's fee and the 85 cents campus observation room fee, both of which are mandatory. Optional fees for the Center for Teaching and Learning, Queen's is American Sign Language Club, Queen's is Protecting Animal Welfare Society, Union Gallery and Assis Orientation Fundraising also received majority support in the referendum. Next, Queen's has elected its new rector, Nikki Bochakale, but not all believe this vote was fair. The unsuccessful candidate, Leo Yang, took to social media and the Queen's Journal, citing why he believes the election to be unfair. Yang stated a misleading automatic email, last-minute voting notifications, and influencer involvement as key reasons for his losing campaign. Although Leo Yang lost by nearly a thousand votes, he is calling for the elimination of the last four hours of votes and clarification on the voting process. That's all for me today. Thank you so much. Now over to Chloe with the weather. For your weather report this evening, we're expecting clear skies with a low of minus 10, wind chill near minus 14. Winds will be up to 15 kilometers per hour. Looking forward to tomorrow, we have mainly sunny skies, increasing cloudiness late in the morning, then snow beginning in the afternoon. Winds will be 30 kilometers per hour in the morning. We have a high of minus 2, wind chill minus 16 in the morning, and minus 9 in the afternoon. Next up is your CFRC traffic report. Now for your CFRC weekly traffic report. Please note that the winter parking ban is still in effect. Motorists are advised that overnight on-street parking is not permitted until the end of February. PSPC wishes to advise motorists of an alternating lane closure on LaSalle Causeway for major rehabilitation until April 30th, 2024. During this period, one lane will be closed and one lane will remain open for alternating traffic. Motorists should expect short delays. Access will be maintained for pedestrians and cyclists. PSPC encourages users to exercise caution when traveling on the bridge and thanks them for their patience. In road closures to look out for George Street, Stewart to Oak Hill is closed on February 15th from 7 a.m. to 5 p.m. for the removal and lifting of equipment to the roof of Botterill Hall. Please note Oak Hill Street one-way direction will be reversed to access the parking on George Street by the Cancer Clinic and also for access to parking lots on Oak Hill Street. University Avenue Union to Earl is closed until May 
29th for the Queen's JDoc project. In parking disruptions, the Hanson Memorial Parking Structure Restoration Project is now underway. The work will take place throughout all levels of the building. Work began last week and is expected to conclude in late December 2024. The work will be completed in phases to allow the building to remain open to public parking for the duration of the project. It is anticipated that no more than 50% of the available 271 parking spaces will be closed at any time. There is also parking available at the Chan Memorial and Robert Bruce Memorial parking garages and the two adjacent blocks to the west. In upcoming parking lot closures, the Drury parking lot located at 57 Queen Street was permanently closed on February 4th. The closure is to accommodate the expansion of the ongoing construction project at 18 Queen Street and 282 Ontario Street, known as Block 5. The city has a range of parking options for short-term parkers throughout Kingston. Community members can access alternate parking options by visiting cityofkingston.ca slash parking. Recommended locations within a couple of blocks include the Frontenac, Ontario and Brock, Barrick, and Ongrove lots, as well as the Hanson Garage. Parking lot users and local businesses will be notified through on-site signage and outreach. City webpages are also being updated to include the new parking information. In other delays, Queen Street, Montreal to Sydenham expect an eastbound lane closure until April 1st, 2024. Detours will be in place for the duration of the lane closure. That wraps up your weather and traffic report for this evening. And now it's time for the Community Concert and Events Calendar for February 12th to 18th. Have an event you'd like covered on our website or news programming? Contact us via cfrc.ca today. On February 12th, Queen Student Wellness Services will be hosting a healthy cooking session. Learn how to prepare a quick, easy, inexpensive, and healthy recipe. Upon registration, students will receive the location, time, and safety details. To register and pay the $10 fee, visit queens.ca slash studentwellness. On February 13th, the annual Shrove Pancake Dinner will be held at St. James Anglican Church from 5 to 7.30 p.m. All proceeds go to support the Indigenous Food Sovereignty Garden. Admission is $7 for adults, $5 for students, $3 for children aged 5 to 12, free for 5 and under, and $17 for families. On February 14th, the screening room will be playing some classic romantic comedies in the spirit of Valentine's Day. Catch Casablanca at 6 p.m. and Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mine at 8.30 p.m. To purchase tickets, visit ScreenRoomKingston.com. On February 15th, Art Hive will be held at Agnes Etherington Art Center from 4 to 6 p.m. Art Hive is a chance for aspiring artists to explore the creative process through experimentation and play. Materials are provided and no prior art experience is necessary to participate. To register for free, visit agnes.queensu.ca. On February 16th from 1 to 6 p.m., Celebration of Books and Music, a fundraiser in support of the Seniors Association, will be held at the Senior Center. Browse through thousands of donated books, CDs, and puzzles. Admission is free. Also on February 16th, Fresh Food Market Pop-Up, an initiative of Kingston Community Health Centers, will appear at the YMCA. Fresh Food Market Pop-Up brings affordable produce and chef-created gourmet healthy options to Kingston and surrounding areas every week. Visit freshfoodmkt.ca for more information. On February 17th, an all-comedy variety show featuring drag will be held at the Broom Factory from 7 to 10 p.m. This is an all-ages show, however, content may not be appropriate for all ages, so parental discretion is advised. Tickets are $20 and can be purchased at www.rowinaway.com. Also on February 17th, at 7.30pm, Queen's Observatory will be hosting an open house at Ellis Hall. This event will include a presentation from featured speaker Parisa Nazari, Queen's Astronomy and Astrophysics PhD student, who will discuss dust in the interstellar medium and the inefficiency of star formation. The presentation will be followed by a tour of the observatory's facilities. Don't miss the chance to attend this entirely free event that is open to all ages. No need to register. Are you a trans, non-binary, genderqueer, genderfluid, or any other non-cisgender person who wants a safer space to swim and to meet other students and wider trans community members? Head over to the Athletic and Recreation Center on February 18th at 2.30pm for a solidarity swim. 
Swimmers will meet at the Arc Earl Street entrance at 2.20 p.m. This event is free and open to the wider Kingston community. For more information and to register, visit gogalesgo.com. Moving into the concerts for the week, on February 12th, Blue Note Trio will be performing at the RCAJ Club from 4 to 7 p.m. for free. On February 13th, Spectrum Voices Fundraiser Concert and Open Mic will take place at the Grad Club from 6.30 to 8 p.m. No ticket or RSVP is required, but donations are welcome to keep the choir free to join. All ages are welcome. To reserve a ticket or make a donation, visit eventbrite.ca. On February 14th, head over to the Miziki Cafe and Whiskey Bar at 8 p.m. to see Frank Ryan perform. This event is pay what you want by donation to the musicians. You must be 19 plus to attend. On February 15th, head to St. Larry's Pub from 7 to 10 p.m. for a free all-ages open mic night. Also on the 15th, there will be free karaoke at the Royal Tavern from 8 to 12 a.m. You must be 19 plus to attend. On February 16th from 7.30 to 10.30 p.m., Candace Springs will be performing a jazz soul concert at the Grand Opera House. For more information and to purchase tickets, visit kingstongrand.ca. Also on the 16th, a choir concert, Considering Matthew Shepard, will be held at the Isabel Bader Center for the Performing Arts from 7 to 10 p.m. Considering Matthew Shepard explores the life, legacy, and tragic death of Matthew Shepard. With acclaimed soloist, innovative staging, and an eight-piece ensemble, the composition delves into the complexities of Matthew's lives and the enduring impact on society. For more information and to purchase tickets, visit queensu.ca slash the Isabel. On February 17th, Birds of a Feather will be performing at the Embassy Live Music Cafe from 7 to 9.30 p.m. Cover is $10. On February 18th, bands Auras and Lazer will be performing at the Mansion at 7pm. Supporting bands are yet to be announced. Tickets are $20, which includes a free show poster, and can be purchased at ticketscene.ca. And finally, on February 18th, head over to the Toucan at 10.30pm for a free 19-plus karaoke night. This has been Danielle with your weekly event and concerts calendar. Wishing you all a great week. Thank you for tuning in to CFRC's local news programming. To revisit episodes of Today in YGK and hear more from some of our guests, you can head to our podcast network at podcast.cfrc.ca. Today in YGK is brought to you by the generous support of the Community Radio Fund of Canada under the Local Journalism Initiative, Queen's University Career Services, What Will I Wear at 732 Princess Street, and The Screening Room at screenroomkingston.com. Be sure to stay tuned for more CFRC programming coming up next. What'll I Wear offers the best in vintage, funky, one-of-a-kind treasures, clothing, accessories, and a fabulous selection of jewels, vintage and new. Find the cutest purse, the most dashing of hats, and sunglasses. Everything to complete your individual look. What'll I Wear has it all. They can dress you from top to bottom. Find your new fashion fave at What'll I Wear at 732 Princess Street in Kingston. Visit their new location and follow them on Facebook to keep up to date with what's in store at What'll I Wear.